What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is going to be all about reverse dieting. What is reverse dieting? Who is reverse dieting for? How long should you reverse diet for? How to program and plan out your reverse diet? Some thoughts about training during your reverse diet. How do you reverse cardio throughout the process of this? What do you do after the reverse diet is done? I got, my plan today is to go super in-depth with each and every aspect of the reverse diet. And this is from popular demand because you guys requested that I do an episode on this, especially after the nutritional periodization podcast, which again is one of the most downloaded episodes I've ever done. Actually, it is the most downloaded episode that I've personally ever done as a solo podcast. Um, So I definitely encourage you guys go check that out. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Don't remember what episode it was. I probably should have looked that up prior. I think it was like 231 or 232 or something like that. But Very in-depth podcast. Um, I'm going to say the same thing I started out saying in that one. I don't want to keep this too long. I want to make it simple and go right to the nuts and bolts of things and give you guys some actionable, applicable takeaways so you can just leave this podcast and go do something with it. However, that podcast ended up being very long, very detailed, and way more thorough than I had planned. So today I'm going to go into reverse dieting. I'm going to try to keep it to around 30 to 40 minutes. And the reason I'm going to keep it to that is because I don't think it's as complex as people make it seem. Um, it's really just a patience game. But we're going to dig into that today um, because I don't want to give too much before I go into the show. So guys, if you requested that I do a reverse diet podcast. If you've ever reverse dieted before, if you've ever put anybody through a reverse diet, or if you know that you truly need a reverse diet, here's what I want you to do. Do me a favor and take a screenshot of this show. Guys, I say it every time, but it's even more important for people who specifically relate to the topics I talk about. So if you've been through a reverse diet or have any experience in the realms of reverse dieting whatsoever, I need you to take a screenshot of this. I need you to post it on your Facebook or your Instagram story. Tag me at Cody.BoomBoom. Let me know who you are and why you're listening to the show and if I helped you because I want to have a conversation with you and I want to help you more if that is possible. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's jump right into... The Reverse Dieting Podcast. All right, so reverse dieting, let's just get right into the nuts and bolts of things. With reverse dieting, what we want to talk about is, let's talk about the history before we dive into anything. Reverse dieting, actually, this is a perfect time for me to do this podcast because right before this podcast, um, I believe the last podcast that aired was on Tuesday of this week. It was Dr. Jade Tata. I will link that in the show notes as well. If you have not listened to the last episode, please go listen to that. He is the OG when it comes to metabolism. He was one of the first guys that really started talking about the issues with chronic dieting, the issues that happen when you low when you follow a low calorie diet for too long and how those can be major proponents of metabolic adaptation. See, this term was coined. Um, I actually want to give credit to Lane Norton. I believe he was the first one that actually said metabolic damage. And if he wasn't the first one who said it, he was definitely the first one that made it world-renowned um, that it was a thing. He was the, one of the first people that talked about it. Um, and a lot of people hated on him for using the words metabolic damage. I, a lot of us understood what he was referring to. The reason I believe people didn't like the term metabolic damage was basically because it implies that your metabolism cannot be fixed. If it is damaged, it is broken, and you are, for lack of better terms, you're screwed. Right, but the reality is, is it's more of a metabolic adaptation, which is what he says now, which is what a lot of coaches, nutritionists, doctors, so on and so forth, actually use as a term now. Metabolic adaptation implies that your metabolism has adapted. Right, this could actually go both ways. Uh, metabolic adaptation 
can be a good thing if you're going in the reverse. If you are reverse dieting, you're bringing up calories and your metabolism is adapting to a higher calorie intake and you're not gaining weight, that's actually a positive thing because we are improving our metabolism, right? But usually when we're referring to metabolic adaptation, we're talking about quote-unquote damage, which again is not the term we're going to be using in this show or in coaching, but metabolic adaptation is basically the process of your metabolism slowly adapting to a lower calorie set point. This is pretty obvious now. Once upon a time, it was not so obvious. I actually went through this firsthand like many people did in the physique world. And it it really became prevalent in the physique world because there was a lot of people getting on stage for bodybuilding, physique, figure, or bikini competitions. And when you get on stage, you have to diet to extremely low body fat levels. During this process, we are slowly but surely dropping calories lower and lower and lower. As we drop calories, we do lose weight, we do lose body fat, some potential muscle mass, depending on how you set up your diet along the way. Uh, but at some point, you just there's kind of diminishing returns, right? You can only remove calories for so long, right? I mean, literally, because you would die if you didn't have calories, obviously. But there's a certain point, everybody has their own threshold, where your body just gives in. You're going to binge, your nervous system is going to shut down, you're going to go into adrenal fatigue, your testosterone, your metabolism, all these processes that are linked to your metabolism and linked to your nervous system and linked to your hormonal, your endocrine system, start to slowly but surely shut down. And they kind of go into this, I guess you could call it starvation mode. They go into this uh, fight or flight mode. They go into this mode where they just stop working essentially. What happens is when we cut calories, our energy output, calories out versus our energy input, calories in, we create a gap. Right? So that's a good thing. We want a gap. If we are putting out more calories through exercise, through resting metabolic rate, so what we do at rest, through our general BMR, our basal metabolic rate, what our metabolism is just doing just to work um, and function and, and basically survive and, and maintain the tissues and the systems in our body, we need to use calories, right? Um, through the thermic effect of food, so how many food calories we are eating, uh, or sorry, how many calories we are burning through the actual process of digestion and breakdown of other foods, because that's a factor, and then also neat, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So what we are doing when we just walk down the stairs, we're doing chores, we're cleaning the house, whatever it may be, mowing lawn, um, taking steps throughout the day. As we lower calories, we make a bigger gap. When we make a bigger gap from this calories out versus calories in, we lose weight, right? This is the whole SECO model, the calories in versus calories out model. We know that this is the key to weight loss. What happens when we are cutting calories is our metabolism, our BMR and RMR actually slow down. So our, our metabolic rate starts to give in, starts to adapt to these lower set points. So if we, let's put some numbers to it. If we're at 2,000 calories, we're getting ready to start a diet, and we create a 250-calorie de- deficit. So now we're consuming 1,750, 1,750 calories. That's a 250-calorie diet. We are going to lose weight because we are creating a deficit. Our calories out are burning more than our calories in. We're taking in. We're going to burn weight. One week goes by, two week goes by, three week go by. Maybe we're getting some progress. Week four hits and we stop making progress. Week five, we're completely halted. This has been two weeks at a plateau. We have one, two options really. Cut more calories or do more exercise. Either way, we are creating a bigger deficit. And we keep doing this process. But at what point can you continue that process? We can't just keep adding calories. We can't just keep cutting calories. Adding calories is in expenditure. We can't just keep adding exercise, cardio, so on and so forth, right? Another thing that happens that a lot of people don't pay attention to is that our 
meat actually slows down and lowers subconsciously as we diet. So as we take in less calories, our body has less energy. Literally, calories are energy. That's our fuel to do things in life. As we diet, our energy availability becomes scarce and our body is not stupid. It is meant to survive. So what does it do? It stops moving so much. And it does this by sitting while we pull weeds instead of squatting down. It does this by standing less. It does this by walking less. It does this by actually going to the bathroom less, going to get water less, doing little, like literally little tiny things throughout your day, actions and tasks that you wouldn't even think about that cause you to move. It does less of them subconsciously because it is trying to lower your need because it does not have enough energy stored or t- being taken in because it understands its fuel substrates and demands, it doesn't have enough coming in to support those activities. So it starts lowering them so it can save energy. It's crazy, but it's extremely smart. It's, 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 a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like it, it sucks because NEAT is a great way to burn more calories. It's just general movement. It's easy to do, but it burns a ton more fat along the way of a long-term fat loss journey. But our body is so smart that it slowly stops doing it. That's great, but it's also not great. So It's something to think about. Um, Something I've personally done is I track my steps. Even if I don't have a specific step count, like, oh, I'm striving for this amount, I will use my weekly average for at least a few weeks before I go into a diet. So let me assess this month, this three to four week period before I go into a fat loss phase or a cut. Let me assess how many calories I'm at, or sorry, how many steps I'm actually getting on a daily basis. What's my average life like? I'm not trying to do more. I'm not purposely getting up and walking more. But what do I do on a normal basis? Okay, cool. Let's say it's 9,000. Cool. I want to maintain this as I cut calories, right? So I cut calories. Three days go by. I realize that, oh, shit, I've only been taking 8,000 to 8,500. It's 500 less. Not a ton, but it's less. It's already starting. I better push myself to keep 9,000 as my maintenance, right? Keep that maintenance step count so your knee can stay higher, right? Because you need those calories burning to continue seeing fat loss for longer before having to cut calories again. So, This is kind of, uh, I'm going on a rant now, but this is kind of the process is why we need to focus on reverse dieting at some point. I think that reverse dieting has become so popular that a lot of people jump to conclusions with it and they get afraid to cut calories. And that's not the answer either. Why do you think people who get ready for photo shoots or people who get ready for stage get so lean? It's because they cut calories and they're not afraid to eat less. They get hungry. That's part of losing weight. That's, that's the one that always is funny to me. And I do the same thing. So it's not me hating on it or talking shit on it, but it's the reality. People say, man, I'm just getting so hungry lately. Like, should I just have a couple snacks and feed that hunger? It's like, no, your body is burning fat. That's part of the diet. It's a diet. <laughs> Look up the definition. You are eating less food than you're putting out. Therefore, you're hungry. But that's a good sign. It means that we are for sure in a deficit. If you're never hungry at all, it means your metabolism isn't working. So when I take people into a reverse diet, we track their hunger levels, low, medium, high. If I start seeing it climb up, I'm like, yes, we're stroking the fire. We're getting things burning. Now, that's a horrible analogy uh, to most people, stroking the fire like because people relate it to six small meals a day. But the reality is it's true. Like your metabolism is something we should be getting to work. And if you're hungry, then it tells me that your metabolism is intact. It is working a little bit. So 
A reverse diet is the basic process of reversing through a diet. So once we get to this point that I've just explained, you've been dieting, which is a good thing. You've cut calories. You've gone through an extended period of time um, on a lower calorie diet. At some point, you need to bring calories back up because if you do not, hormonal implications that are very negative will start to occur um, as well as neurological. Your nervous system will start to shut down. Your testosterone will tank if you're a guy. Thyroid issues will happen, especially if you're a female, but there's men with thyroid issues as well. Um, you'll even ha- there's even the possible outcome of gut issues because of the hormonal and neurological issues that go on, and it just kind of trickles down until the gut um, ends up having some problems as well. Muscle mass deterioration happens. Performance declines. That's one of the biggest ones I see in the CrossFit space. I have people come to me. They love being lean, so they eat low calories while they're doing CrossFit performance-based exercising, um, and they're competitive with it. They don't understand why they're not PRing anymore. They don't understand why they're not improving, and this is exactly why. This is our fuel, especially in a sport that's so glycolytic and requires so many carbohydrates to fuel properly. So when you get to this point, And I should almost say, actually, we'll get into that when I say who this is for. So what is a reverse diet? A reverse diet is the process of reversing that diet. So you've gone 12 weeks cutting calories, right? You've cut 5 to 10% every one to three weeks as you made these adjustments. So there's two ways you can do this. You could literally reverse that exact same process and see how it works. Usually that's not the case. As a coach and with a lot of experience, it's rarely ever the case that I can go, okay, I pulled 10 grams of carbs five grams of fat last week or three weeks ago to finalize my cut, I'm just going to add those calories back in, right? And then you slowly do the exact opposite process. You look at your calendar of adjustments over the last 12 weeks and you make the reverse. You slowly add the calories back. The problem with that is, is your metabolism doesn't adapt in the positive way the same way it adapts in the negative way. There's no studies to prove this, but it's just the reality of what my experience being a coach has shown me. Usually you got to be kind of intuitive with it. Usually you end up adjusting... 10 grams of carbs, 20 grams of carbs, depending if the person's pretty insulin sensitive or um, pretty uh, well accepting their body is well adapting to a reverse diet. So it kind of depends. But a reverse diet is just that. It's the process of slowly but surely working up your calories until you get back to at least maintenance into a surplus if you want to gain weight or perform at a higher level, but usually just maintenance, right? We've cut calories. We've done this chronic diet for a long period of time. Um, We've gotten to our weight that we are happy with, or we've just accidentally fallen into this pit of low-calorie dieting, which happens to a lot of people who are really busy, whether you're a parent, an entrepreneur, so on and so forth. Um, Shit, I know for me, that's half the reason why I track calories and macros is because if I don't, I never eat, especially fats, I never eat enough food to support my maintenance level calories, to support my lifestyle of what I want to achieve. So it's important for me to track. But the reverse diet is just that. It's a slow process of reversing up. So who is a reverse diet for? There's a lot of different people a reverse diet could be for. i got a sore throat today, guys. I gotta, I'm going to be sipping some water as I go. Now, so I apologize for the pause. <laughs> and you probably heard, oh, because... We don't edit this. This is real, raw, live, one shot, one take. All right, so who's this for? A reverse diet is for anybody who is following or who is in a deficit without purposefully losing fat is how I would categorize it, right? So you are in a, in a deficit. The best way to do this right now is there's two things. Number one, biofeedback. That's going to be the most accurate because I'm going to give you some calculations to base this off of if a reverse diet is for you. But at the same time, 
some people can support bodily functions on less calories than others. That's why calculations aren't always the best. And that's why I always say like the magic is in the adjustments, right? Like I might give you a baseline to start your macros with me as a nutrition client, but where the real magic happens, where we really find out where your body is going to adapt best and start to thrive is going to come two, three, four, six weeks down the line. When we start tweaking things, we see how your body reacts to the certain adjustments I make. Sometimes I get it really on point at the foundational baseline that we create, but a lot of times it takes those adjustments. Now, if your biofeedback is poor, so if you are having trouble sleeping, if you have any hormonal troubles that you know of for sure, if you've had tests and it shows you have low testosterone, um, a, a, a dysfunctional thyroid, anything like that, if you quote-unquote look at food and gain weight, you know who you are if you know who, what I'm talking about. If you have cold fingertips and the tip of your nose, your toes, your feet, your hands, your fingers, if they are cold all the time, that's a sign of a low metabolism. If you are moody, irritable, lack motivation and ambition, you are um, having consistent mood swings or irritability or just anger, any way that you're having these emotions and these crazy mood fluctuations and they are not normal and for females you're not on your cycle, that is a sign of needing a reverse diet because something's going haywire in your nervous system or your hormonal system. So that's a sign. If you are not sleeping, you're overly stressed, you're not building muscle, you're not losing fat, and you're eating little calories – so let's say you're in a very low-calorie diet, you aren't even hungry, you just don't even want to eat, um, and you're still not losing weight. That's a sign that you need a reverse diet. So basically, if any type of biofeedback is in a negative set point or in just a bad place, you probably need a reverse diet. If you calculate your calories by 10 to 12 times your body weight, and you're not even close to that yet, you probably need a reverse diet. Ideally, this is a very generic calculation. Um, this is just me throwing out a number, not including your activity level, none of that stuff. If you are trying to achieve fat loss and you multiply your body weight by 10 to 12, assuming you do not have 25 to 50 plus pounds to lose. So somebody who's obese would be more like in the eight times body weight, I would say. Um, but it, it's all relative, right? But if you have less 20 pounds or less to lose and you calculate your body weight by 10 to 12, so I'm 170 pounds. That's 1,700 at least up to like 2,100 I think that is. If, if I wasn't in that range losing weight, then that means I probably have a possibly damaged metabolism. I should be losing weight between 1,700 to 21 calories without a doubt, right? So if I have been at 1,700 calories, which is 10 times my body weight, and I am not losing any weight whatsoever, I probably need to reverse diet, right? Now – if I've been following that 1,700-calorie diet for two weeks, different story. If I have been following it for two months, three months, four months, that's when I need a reverse diet. If I've been adjusting slowly and I hit 1,700 calories and I'm losing weight and I'm just – it's part of the, the diet, sometimes we'll get calories down to eight times your body weight. And that's okay. Like I had to get my calories down past 10 times my body weight when I got ready for my photo shoot. I kept protein very high to make sure I'm maintaining muscle mass. But it's just, the, it's just the reality. It was a very temporary period of time. I think I was b below that for like four to five weeks maybe. But that's how I got shredded enough to be happy in front of a camera half naked to be completely transparent with you. <laughs> so there's a lot of stage competitors and photo shoot get people that will go below that 10 times your body weight. And that's okay, right? But if you're in that zone of 10 to 12 times your body weight for a very long period of time, then you are going to start experiencing chronic 
biofeedback issues, right? So if you are dieting, and I'm going to reiterate this multiple times throughout the podcast because I think it's very important for people to understand and just be comfortable with, but if you are dieting for a photo shoot and your biofeedback sucks for two weeks before the shoot, suck it up and deal with it. That's part of getting shredded, right? Like when you dip to those low, low levels of body fat like you want to for a stage or for a photo shoot, that's just part of the sport. That's what comes with the extreme challenge and goal and outcome of getting that lean. So going to 1,700 calories for me for a temporary period of time and feeling like shit for a little bit is worth getting in front of the camera as lean as I wanted to get. That was part of my journey. That was part of my plan. That was something I knew and was aware of that was going to come. That's okay. If I would have stayed, and this is where a lot of people go wrong, if I were to stay at that 1,700 calories after the photo shoot, so I bring my calories down to 1,600, 1,700, let's say, this is below 10 times my body weight. At the time, it actually wasn't because I dropped down to like 164 for the photo shoot. Um, And then I do the photo shoot. I look great. I'm happy with the result. And then I'm like, I want to stay lean. I'm going to stay down here. This is where we have issues, right? Staying down there for two to three, four weeks is possibly okay if you're smart. The best way, because we all want to stay lean, right? I get that. But if I stay down there for four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, and I just keep my calories low because that's how I'm going to quote unquote stay lean after this photo shoot and keep the body, my body the way I want, that's when we start to get chronic biofeedback issues, and that's when we start to have chronic hormonal issues. That's when metabolic adaptation becomes a real big problem, and that's when we really need to reverse diet. So after a photo shoot, what you probably should do is spend a week at maintenance. So take a diet break. You'll gain a few pounds, mainly water weight, and then you drop back down to that 16 to 1,700 calories that I was at at the end of the photo shoot so that I can maintain that, that body weight. I can maintain this new body fat set point. I will stay there for two, three, four weeks as long as the diet break did enough work positively to bring my biofeedback back up, which is possible. Some people can't stay there. Some people are more resilient. It really depends on the individual. But a lot of times I'm going to want to reverse diet you back up. But I'm going to use my good friend and client Mike D. I always call him Mike D. I don't know if he knows this, but I always say Mike D. I have his tracker as Mike D. And the reason I call you that. Uh, Mike is because uh, Mike D from Beastie Boys always comes to mind when I say it. So um, Mike D, what we did for him is we got him super lean. We passed his goal of reaching 170 pounds. He came to me at like 205, I want to say. We broke the the 170 pound marker, and we're like, okay, let's maintain this. You're lean now. We can see your abs. We can see muscle definition. Let's stay here and try to build some muscle. We're going to reverse diet. But before we do, we're going to take a little diet break. I think we took like three or four days maybe, just like a multi-day refeed right? We spent some time bringing his calories to maintenance so he felt better, had some uh, psychological and physiological replenishment, regeneration, I guess you could say. And at that point, we stayed down with the calories for a little bit longer. We actually waited and maintained that body weight for longer. We wanted to make sure that we set in stone that he was going to stay at this weight. This is something I like doing. This is kind of like the resensitization phase, the resynthesis phase, the uh, maintenance phase, I guess you could say, and it goes in both ways, right? We all talk about maintaining your calories at a higher rate and maintaining a normal average body fat level. Like right now, I'm in maintenance zone, just trying to get healthy, right? But that's not fun. (laughs) It's not sexy, right? That's not lean. There's also the maintenance phase of when you get lean enough to your goal, we maintain that lower calorie limit and that lower body fat limit for a good two, three, four weeks. This is going to set it in stone. So 
we brought him to that point. And by the way, guys, I'm starting to realize that this podcast is less structured than I had planned. and It's just more of a rant, but I think you're going to take away a lot of information about reverse dieting. So we brought him to this point. We got him super lean. We got him excited. We got him ready. And at that point, we actually waited for, I want to say, three or four weeks at that lower calorie range, just giving him enough refeeds to maintain the weight, this new weight that we achieved, but also maintain some kind of biofeedback and hormonal degradation. Once we got him this hormonal baseline, this this new body weight, it was like three or four weeks before we started reverse dieting again or at all, right? This is the first reverse diet we've done. But because we did that, he's maintaining his body weight and we've been adding calories and adding calories. Should I think we're almost at like 75 grams of carbs and like 15 grams of fat added to his diet in the last like four to six weeks. So almost 100 grams of carbs added back in and we haven't gained a single pound. Like he bounces up and down to 171, 169, 171 and it, it's just that's part of reverse dieting, right? But because we maintained his new body weight before we started adding calories back in, his reverse diet is going a lot better. Whereas some people will get to their body fat point, they get lean enough, they get excited and they just immediately start bumping calories back up. What that does is it's going to add weight. Right, And that's okay. Some people need that. I have some people that come to me and I'm like, hey, you've been in a diet for way too long. You didn't properly implement refeeds or diet breaks before you went into this quote-unquote low-calorie maintenance to try to maintain this body fat. So like, we're just going to add calories and you're going to gain some weight and that's just part of it. Otherwise, you're never going to get healthy. Some people just have to suck it up and be like, I'm going to gain two to five pounds and that's, that it is what it is. Um, I'm, shit, I'm five or six pounds above photo shoot weight and I actually maintained my photo shoot weight for a while, staying lean, but then I cranked calories up because I'm trying to build some muscle. And that's just part of it. You're going to have to put some fat on to build muscle, some serious muscle. So that's just part of the deal. So um, I kind of went off track with who's this for, but who this is for is basically anybody who has been in a chronic deficit. If you are at or below 10 to 12 times your body weight in calories or you are suffering from negative biofeedback markers, so sleep, stress, mood, motivation, training performance, recovery, uh, muscle mass, um, lack of fat loss. You have cold limbs, fingertips, nose. These type of things, you're probably in need for a reverse diet. How long should you reverse diet for? So now we know what a reverse diet is. We know that it's a result or it's something that we need to implement or practice after being in a deficit for too long and our metabolism has adapted. So once metabolic adaptation has occurred, we know that we need to reverse the process of actually dieting. We slowly cut calories. Now we're going to slowly increase calories. This is going to allow us to build our metabolism, our metabolic rate up while trying to maintain our weight and body fat levels, right? So there's two categories. There's a person like Mike D who we dieted, got him lean, got him to his desired body fat level. We maintained that and then we started reverse dieting up and he is in a positive, happy reverse diet. I'm giving him more food. He is the perfect poster child of hitting your macros to the T and not being stressed about it. Like the dude loves tracking and staying on point and it's working extremely well for him because he's so on point. He hits his macros. He's getting the benefit of the doubt. He is maintaining a lean body and we're increasing his calories dramatically. Then there's the person who fell into a chronic low calorie diet, not necessarily on purpose, but maybe without education or information. And therefore they've put themselves into this pit, this black hole of negative biofeedback markers. They didn't do it the right way. They need to reverse diet and they are going to gain weight with the number one point being 
chasing health and hormonal restoration. That's their focus. How long should these people reverse diet for? With Mike, the person who we are in a positive reverse diet with, somebody who is at his body fat level that he desires, at least for now, who knows, maybe in six months, he's going to be like, hey, let's do another cut and get even leaner. We don't know. But right now, we're going to keep working his calories up as long as possible until he starts to gain weight. So the goal here is every one to three weeks, we bump up calories. So I'm going to talk about this next of how to program this, but we're going to bump up calories in a certain way until he gets to a point where he stops maintaining his weight, which sounds like we're kind of pushing the limits, but that's exactly right. That's exactly what we're doing. We want to build his metabolism up enough to where we can consume as many calories as possible while maintaining his weight. So right now he bounces between 169 to 171. When I see 172, 173, I'm going to slow down. Right? I know he wants to build some muscle, so that means weight gain is in the future, but I know that the process of building muscle is so slow that we should see no fluctuation between 169 and 171. It should start to be 170, 171, and then eventually just 171 consistently, and at that point, I go, okay, now we're maintaining the upper end of your fluctuation. We are going to stop here because that tells me we have reached your maintenance calories. You're still lean. You're still within a pound of your goal weight. You feel way better because we've added a shit ton more calories. Now we can focus on building muscle. Because you're at or possibly slightly above maintenance, we're going to wait here for three, four, five weeks and see if you gain weight very slowly. If you gain a quarter to a half a pound every two to four weeks, which seems like barely anything, but if he gains that much, we know you're building pure muscle and not gaining fat. We are in the perfect zone. When that stops, we will add a little bit more calories like literally like 10 to 20 carbs, just a little bit. Get that building again, but maintaining the leanness. So it's a slow process. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I wanted to just remind you that one of the biggest things about the Boom Boom Performance movement is free content. We are literally here trying to change the world. And part of doing that is trying to give away as much free shit as possible. Literally, we want to educate the world on how to live a better life from our physical body to our mental sanity. We want to work with everybody possible and help them get educated on what it means to have proper nutrition, smart training, and live a healthier lifestyle to improve every aspect of their life. And part of that is giving away as much free content as possible as well as offering some really cool stuff to you guys, the listeners, the followers, the subscribers, whoever is listening to the show right now. So I want to remind you that we have tons of ebooks. We have the membership site. We offer coaching. We give away free seminars. We do so much stuff, and all of it can be found at boomboomperformance.com slash content. Or you can click the first link you see in the description of this podcast on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to it. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the podcast. But for Mike, we're going to go as long as we can while maintaining his body weight. That could be for some people six weeks. could be eight weeks, right? Very short, six to eight-week period where we add calories every week. Everything's going efficiently. He wasn't in a huge deficit. We did things the right way. So we don't need to add thousands of calories to his diet, right? We're not adding one to 2,000 calories to his diet because we didn't get him that low. So for him, it could be six to eight, could be 12 weeks. Sometimes we even go past his old maintenance. So we might have thought previously, hey, we can build you up to about 200 grams protein, 225 carb, and 50 fat. That's where you maintained before we started dining. But now we're at 200, 275, and 60. And he's maintaining his weight. That's great. 
I, I did this the slow way with myself personally last year, and I built my carbs up way higher than I've ever been able to consume in my life because I did it the right way. Right, so for him, we're going to go as long as possible while maintaining that weight relatively close to where we started, or relatively close to his goal weight. Um, and then at that point, we reassess the goal. We decide how fast we want to build muscle, so on and so forth. For the other person, we go until biofeedback changes, right? Because this person I'm aware of is not enjoying the process of adding fat. And if somebody, if if I take somebody through a 10 week reverse diet. Right, they've added three pounds of fat, and they feel uncomfortable. They feel bloated. Their pants aren't fitting. They're not happy, right? Male or female, we've all. There's been a plenty of people listening to this podcast who have done reverse dieted, both men and women, who get uncomfortable. I've been there. You build your calories up. You're at a maintenance level. You kind of feel bloated. You don't feel lean. You're not confident with your shirt off. It's not a good place. But biofeedback is the most crucial. Thing. So if you're a little bloated, you're a little uncomfortable, but you're still sleeping like shit, your thyroid's still hurt, your testosterone's still tanked, you're still not making progress in the gym, you're not seeing performance increase, strength increase, you're still moody, that tells me you're not done reverse dieting. And I have to say, hey, like as your coach, suck it up. We need to keep moving forward because I promise you next year you will be leaner than you've ever been because we are going through this process and you'll feel better. You'll be more confident. You'll be more energetic. You'll build more muscle. You'll perform harder. Sleep better, period. Stress will be lower. So for that person, we chase biofeedback. And in the same token, if this person is kind of bloated and not really comfortable with their body, lacking confidence because they don't like what they see because we've been reverse dieting and they've gained three, four, five pounds, but they're sleeping like a baby, they're not stressed ever, they're highly motivated in the gym, they're making progress, there's no reason for me to keep building calories up just because a calculation tells me that they should be 300 calories above where they're at right now. I will have ballpark ranges and I'll tell clients like, hey, in an ideal world, I'm going to build your calories up to 2250, right, which is a lot for you. You're small female, you've never been that high. Or for a man who's got a lot of muscle, hey, I want to build your calories up to 3,000, whatever it may be, right? But if their biofeedback is great, then we've done the job. There's no reason to keep pushing that. And it should be perfect and we should be seeing progress. At that point, this is when we stop reverse dieting and we quote unquote maintain. So if we built your calories up to 2250 and your biofeedback is through the roof, you're feeling great, but you're still not at your weight that you want to be at. You're still three to five pounds heavier than you were. That's great. We'll get to that. But we're going to sit here at this new 2250, this new metabolic maintenance, this new body fat level two. We're going to sit here for four weeks at least, four to six weeks and let your body adjust and adapt, resynthesize to this new maintenance caloric intake. This is the point where we reset our metabolism to our best abilities. There's not a lot of science on this. There's not a lot of research done on this. There's not a lot of proven evidence that we can, in fact, do this. But my experience, a lot of other coaches' experience shows that this is typically what happens. We chase the reverse diet. We keep increasing calories until biofeedback improves in our lifestyle, in our head, physiologically, psychologically, in the gym, so on and so forth. Then we stay at this new maintenance We try to recreate our maintenance essentially by staying at this new base point of calories for four, five, six weeks. Let our body adapt to this new positive, quote-unquote, maintenance, hopeful maintenance. Sometimes what happens is we'll get one, two, three weeks in. All of a sudden, you lose a half a pound. You're like, oh, shit, okay. Four weeks goes by. You lose another half a pound. You notice you start training harder. You get a little more motivated. You start burning more calories because of this as a subconscious side effect. 
Now we're burning more calories, so our deficit is actually created through energy output, and we actually start burning calories, burning fat, losing weight at this new set point. So it goes two ways. For some people, we reset the metabolism at this point, and we just maintain weight, and then we chase the fat loss to get those three to five pounds off after the fact. Other people, after three, four, five weeks, you just naturally start burning. And now you realize this what is what we thought was a quote-unquote maintenance that we tried to reset might actually be still a little bit of a deficit. But your body's using the deficit like it's supposed to in a healthy way by burning excess body fat. So there's two, there's two paths here that I'm talking about. There's two ways to go. There's two durations, timelines. And I can't tell you, is it eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks? I've had clients reverse diet for eight months. And it's a, it's a process. It's a frustrating process, but it's part of the journey. It's what you need to do to chase optimal health. So it kind of goes in all directions. How do we program this? How do we plan our reverse diet? It all depends on your history, right? So number one, I would suggest listening to the nutritional periodization because I think after you listen to this, because it's so important to understand that process. But for some people who come on board, what I will do If I have somebody, I've done this so many times. I have somebody who comes to me, um, a good example of somebody I've had multiple times is somebody who's doing either CrossFit or just a a lot of volume in the gym. So they're just doing hard workouts. They love getting after it. And they are following paleo or Whole30. I've had this come to me uh, quite a bit. And they're following a lower calorie diet. Because they're paleo or on Whole30, they can't really help but be in a deficit, right? It's very hard to eat in a surplus doing Whole30 or paleo, period. Um, so they come to me like this. I don't want to immediately jump up calories and I don't want to immediately remove activity because part of reverse dieting is also lowering activity levels sometimes because they'll freak out. They're not ready for that. They just started coaching with me. I don't want to make them too intimidated or uncomfortable, but what I will do is tell them to take two refeed days. So in the nutritional periodization podcast, I talked about doing a five, two split. This is where, for example, Monday through Friday, five days in a row, you're in a deficit. Two days in a row, you're at a refeed calories, your maintenance calories. So maybe that looks like 150 grams of protein across the board, 150 grams of protein on your deficit days, 50 grams of fats across the board. On those two refeed days, you're doing 250 grams carbs or 200 grams carbs, even just a 50-gram bump, 215, maybe a 65-gram bump. But the point is, is you have two days in a row at a higher carb intake, which brings your calories up. This process of multi-day refeeds, 48 hours or more, is going to be enough time to stimulate your metabolism, leptin, ghrelin, testosterone, nervous system, all these different things, your thyroid. It's, it's enough time inside of a maintenance level or a surplus, a higher caloric intake to get your metabolism and your hormonal system working a little bit better. That is the first step for me. Let's show them what their biofeedback should feel like. So they take this diet break Friday and Saturday, right? This higher calorie intake. They update me on Sunday and they're like, man, I slept better than ever. My stress has been lower. I haven't been getting anxious. This is great. Monday comes, hey, I had the best gym session I've ever had in my life. Tuesday, still feeling pretty good. Wednesday, starts to slow down. Thursday, Friday, they realize like, man, I feel like shit. I'm tired. We got the refeed again. Boom. They get those feelings all again. Now they're becoming self-aware that more calories is actually fueling their body to perform better in every way, shape, or form, right? So this is how I program in from an educational standpoint. Hey, client, I want to show you how your biofeedback should feel. I think you have forgotten what hunger feels like, what not being stressed feels like, what good energy feels like, what training should feel like, what fatigue you should be feeling and what you should not be feeling. These refeeds do that. 
at that point, I might say, hey, we're going to add just a little bit of calories on the other day so you keep feeling that way. I'm going to add 10 grams of carbs across the board. So now that 250-gram carb refeed day becomes 260. The 150-gram deficit day becomes 160 as well. Small bump in carbs brings calories up. They start having this feeling, this euphoric feeling of no stress, better sleep, better performance, less fatigue, so on and so forth throughout the entire week. Then I'm going to do it again. So we keep them on this reverse diet plan, bumping up about 10 grams of carbs at a time until we get to a point where I'm like, okay, now we're approaching a point where your deficit days are really not even a deficit. When we get closer to that point, I will create a baseline across all seven days. So instead of having two refeed days, we want to have every day of the week being higher calorie to get your body moving better, right? This also teaches me about the client. That 5-2 split works great for them. So when we go to diet again in the future, I might jump into a 5-2 split because that way I can save their hormones while we diet. Because if we look at the purpose behind a two-day refeed, again, it's to kind of give your hormonal system a boost, right? Well, if we keep giving it a boost, keep lighting a fire under your hormones ass, (laughs) for lack of better terms, while in a deficit or while chasing fat loss, we can maintain our hormonal health while going into a cut for a certain amount of time. So it might be a good approach that I go back into with that client once we are done reverse dieting, right? Another way to do this, if the person really just needs it, we'll just bump up calories. I've had multiple women come to me on 800 to 900 calories a day, which is way less than anybody should intake, let alone a person who is of 165 to 185 pounds, right? One being very athletic and tall, way too little. For those people, I'm like, hey – We can't even keep you in a deficit for five days a week. This is just so low that you're hurting yourself. I'm sorry, but we're almost doubling your calories. We bump up to 1,500 right away, which for these people is still too little. But I'm like, hey, we got to double your protein. We're going to up your carbs. We're going to up your fats a little bit too. Carbs are less likely to store as body fat if you're training hard. Therefore, carbohydrates are usually the go-to metric that you increase as you reverse diet. But we bump them up to 1,500 right away. They gain a pound or two, mainly from water weight, maybe even more, but every one gram of carb holds three to four grams of water. Therefore, you're going to fluctuate weight regardless. You're going to gain some weight when you reverse diet no matter what. But we bumped our calories up on all days. I just had a CrossFit, a competitive CrossFit athlete who we just did this with. We bumped our calories up pretty significantly. I'm talking like 60 grams of carbs a day, uh, 30 grams of protein, and probably like – I think we kept fat about the same. That's a big jump right out the gates for somebody who's really worried about being staying lean and maintaining their weight, and they're still lean, and they're performing better than they ever have in their life. So it becomes well worth it, right? I don't need to convince them. You feel so much fucking better. Let's keep doing this, right? So some people, we have to make that jump right away. Usually, the best way to go with this is simple. Do the calculations I said earlier. Do 10 to 12 times their body weight. If, th- if this person or you listening to this are not burning calories or burning fat, sorry, same thing, at that amount of calories, if you are, let's say, let's say you do your body weight times 12 and you're training five days a week hard, you should definitely be losing weight at 12 times your body weight. But let's say you're still like 300 calories below that, you might want to jump right to it. It all depends on the person. It all depends on how important this is to them. It all depends on the health risk with that individual. So there's a lot that goes into it. 
fats are going to increase in anybody who is just too low. Um, they're not even touching the minimum effective dose, right? So with fats, we got to look at what is the bare minimum you need to physically be healthy from a hormonal and a nervous system standpoint. Usually this is about body weight times 3.5. That's very, very generic because it can scale from 0.3 all the way to 0.5. But it's a good baseline to kind of tackle. And again, if you have a lot of weight to lose, this completely gets skewed. Um, if you have no weight to lose, it gets skewed as well. So it, it's again, it's a generic, it's a very average thing. But if you multiply your body weight by 3.5, 0 .0, 0 0.35, and you're 15 grams under that, per day, then right out the gate, we're going to add a little bit of carbs, but we're also going to add fats. Adding fats, you're going to probably stick at like three to five grams a week, like a three to five grams a day on a weekly adjustment basis. Because if you add too many fats too quick, you are going to risk the, the possibility of adding fat. It's just part of it, right? Adding body fat is easier through fats, especially if you're using carbs for training. So what I recommend is three to five grams. But if you're 15 grams below, you're going to adjust, bump five grams up, wait a week, five grams up, wait a week, five grams up, get it to that baseline, right? Then you can keep it at that baseline because you're getting the bare minimum needed to have a functioning and a healthy nervous system and a functioning and healthy hormonal system. At that point, we keep it there and then we start slowly working carbs up. Carbs, it's different for everybody. Like I said, I have a lady who I just bumped up like 60 grams because she was using fuel and I knew she wasn't going to store it. I have people who I baby and will do 5 to 10 grams a week. I have people who will be like 10 to 20 grams, 10, 15, 20 grams every other week or every three weeks because they do better from an adherence standpoint and just the art of coaching. I've learned about them. It's going to be better to make a bigger bump, a more aggressive adjustment, but do it every few weeks rather than every week because their body weight doesn't adapt like I want it to, right? So it really, really depends. Now, remember too, this is all relative to the individual. So I'm going as detailed as I possibly can for the sake of the podcast, but it's all relative, right? The whole point here is simple. We are adjusting macros according to what that person needs. If you are too low in protein, if somebody comes to me and they're too low in calories, but it's mainly because they're too low in protein, I will bump up to wherever they need to be no matter how much added protein that is. I don't care if somebody's consuming 50 grams of protein and they need 180. I will immediately bump them to 180 like that. They are not going to store it as fat because their body can use those, those grams of protein for recovery purposes. And it's been studied and in, in shown in literature that it's almost impossible to store protein is fat. I mean, Dr. Jose and Antonio came on the show. Um, I'll link that in the show notes as well. And he was talking about a study they did for two years and people were consuming about two grams per pound of body weight and they didn't store any fat even though they were in a caloric surplus via protein. So it's very, very hard to store fat or store, store protein as fat. It's just, it's just too hard. So for those people, I will. Now, what I will say is a lot of people who come to me, if they're 130 grams below their protein intake, I'm probably not going to bump it up that quick because it's just going to be hard to adhere to. And again, adherence is the number one most critical step in order to successfully reach your goal. You need to adhere to whatever it is. So if I add, go from 50 to 180, you're probably not going to adhere very well. And at that point, I'm, I'm not going to go that route. But the point being, you can bump their calories up very quickly in protein to get them there. Carbs, you're going to do it more frequently. Fat, you're going to do it right away before anything else if you need to because it's more critical to life and health, but you're only going to do it to the bare minimum to make sure that you are living healthy through your nervous system and your health. 
refeeds inside of a, a, a diet break, or I mean, sorry, inside of a reverse diet is something I want to touch on because I believe they do have a useful purpose at the beginning when easing somebody into a reverse diet because it can be a hard process for them to understand they're not going to achieve their fat loss goals while you bring their calories up most likely. So refeeds can be a way to introduce high calorie days to educate them on how just because you eat more calories than what you're currently doing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to gain a ton of weight or show them how great you can feel with a little bit more calories inside your life, training, sleep, stress, so on and so forth. But remember that refeeds are only very impactful to a hormonal basis for anything, really, anything outside of psychological benefit, right? So when I have a one-day refeed, I have a psychological benefit. It, it just is relaxing. I can kind of take my foot off the gas. I cannot worry about my diet. I can eat more calories. I can have fun, be more social. Um, I'm going to refuel, refuel glycogen and probably train a little bit harder in the coming days. But that's about it, right? One-day refeed is only going to do that. 48 hours or more, that's when I'm going to start seeing metabolic and hormonal positive adaptations and start feeling better because of it. So a refeed is only purposeful for 48 hours or more. The reason I'm telling you this is a refeed is more of an insurance policy during a fat loss phase than it is a reverse diet. I will use it inside of a reverse diet as a one-day refeed just for a psychological benefit, right? I want this person to get used to eating more calories. I want them to get used to digesting more calories so they don't get bloated as I bring their carbs up, get their body ready for it. I want them to have a break from the diet. I want them to loosen up and feel better, see the educational and the self-awareness purposes behind eating more calories. But if I'm trying to get a hormonal stimulus, stimulation from more calories or from a refeed inside of a reverse diet, it's going to be a full week of refeeding or it's going to be at least two days. Because what we want to do in a reverse diet is bring all days up. Because we're trying to reverse out of this diet. We're trying to repair the metabolism, right? Um, fix the metabolic adaptation. So how you program a reverse diet, I, I'm not going to give you guys specific adjustments. I don't think anybody should go off calories. Like some people will say, hey, you got to bump up you know, 10 to 20% calories or whatever it may be. I believe you should go strictly off macros. At the end of the day, calories can be very skewed on food labels and in MyFitnessPal because they're estimated. And macros are going to be... Still estimated, but because everything in life is estimated, you can't tell me that this exact grain of rice is this many carbs. It's impossible. But I think it's the most accurate metric inside of nutrition that we can possibly track to influence performance and body composition. And therefore, I think the most important thing inside of reverse dieting is just looking at macros. So to kind of finish this off, I want to touch on training real quick, and then I'm going to just talk about like after the reverse diet, which I really already covered, but we'll just kind of summarize. So training during a reverse diet really depends. I believe that you should not touch training until you start to see physiological body changes, physiological changes, period, bio, biofeedback changes. If I implement a reverse diet and you start sleeping better, you're stressing less, you're more ambitious, and you naturally start progressing in the gym, at that point, I can start tweaking your training. And usually what I'm going to do is I'm going to crank volume up. I don't care if we just started a program this week. It's week one and we have a four-week program. If after a week or two, you're already seeing significant differences in biofeedback, I'm immediately going to add volume. Let's add a set to everything on your program. I want to push your body more. I want to use these calories you're bringing in, specifically the carbs. Let's put them to work. Let's build muscle. Let's build strength. Let's get you excited and get you exhausted in the good way inside the gym now that you're fueling your body the right way to do so. So I like increasing training volume as we do a reverse diet. 
once you achieve this, then you can kind of play with intensity too. I think at that point you can drive up intensity naturally. I, I would look at volume as the metric to adjust inside of training. Your intensity is relative to the individual in, in the workout it's they're doing, right? So whether that's intensity from a heart rate rate perspective or intensity from a load on the bar perspective, if you're feeling that much better, you're just going to lift heavier and that's cranking your intensity up. If you're in a Metcon, you're going to go harder. That's increasing your intensity. So I don't think you need to play with that too much. Your cardio, if we're looking at this reverse diet from a physique standpoint, we're actually going to reverse cardio as well because cardio can be degrading to your metabolism and your hormone, hormones as well as taking calories out of your diet can be. Um, it's the same process. You're creating a bigger deficit. So what you want to do is slowly reverse cardio. And you can do that pretty easily, right? If you're doing three sessions of HIIT per week and you're doing 10 intervals on each session, maybe you drop that to eight intervals. Then you drop it to six intervals. And then you drop it to two days a week of eight intervals. So you add two more intervals, but you're removing a full day. Then you drop those to six. Then you drop one day, bring one day to eight until you're not doing any added cardio. I believe everybody should be doing some cardio. So if you're doing cardio at the end of your sessions, if you're doing a couple days of cardio, a few days of lifting, like that's totally fine. But if you're doing extra cardio as a two a day or as list or as I'm going to do X amount duration of extra cardio to burn more calories, that's where we start to exceed the benefit and we start to go down the rabbit hole of really just pushing our hormones past their limit. So at that point, we need to reverse out of it and just slowly reverse. Um, and it's just like it's just like your metabolism with calories. We slowly add calories back in. We're slowly going to take the duration of cardio out. So I touched on after the reverse a little bit um, when I talked about how long in the path. So I'm just going to reiterate. After the reverse diet, it, it really is going to depend on the person. But the most important thing for you guys to take away from this podcast and what you should be doing after reverse diet is that you need to spend some kind of time maintaining your new body weight and new metabolism. So if you've got to your goal weight, spend some time staying at that weight, which means you are going to stay at your new lower calorie intake or whatever it may be, but you're going to stay there for a little bit. You're going to make sure that your body can maintain this new fat loss state, this new goal, this new outcome that you've finally achieved. You're going to stay there for a little bit and make sure that you can maintain that weight for three, four, five weeks. I usually say four weeks because it's just an easy way to say like, hey, stay there for a month. Give yourself two-day refeeds every one to two weeks to make sure that you're keeping your biofeedback up, but we're going to maintain that weight for four weeks. It's the same thing when you get done with a reverse. So when you get done with a reverse, you're going to spend four weeks maintaining your new metabolic rate. So at the end of a cut, we're maintaining our new weight because we've achieved this goal and we're still eating low calories. So at that point, we need to bring our calories up, but we're going to wait three, four, five, six weeks before we do so. At the end of a reverse, it's a complete opposite. We might not be at the weight we want, but we're at the metabolic rate that we want. Our metabolism is faster. Our hormones are healthier. We need to maintain that. So we're going to reset our new metabolic rate by staying at this new higher caloric intake for three, four, five weeks. This process is longer, in my opinion, than staying at the body weight for two reasons. Number one, I think it's harder to reset your metabolism than it is to reset your body weight set point. Number two, it's less dangerous to stay a little bit heavier than you like, adding a couple pounds of fat and maintaining higher calories, that's a hell of a lot healthier than it is to worry about staying at a lower calorie limit so you can maintain a body weight. So after the reverse, 
spend some time maintaining at least four weeks, ideally 12 weeks, 16 weeks, spend a good amount of time staying at a higher caloric intake that you've now built your metabolism up to and just stay there and let your body adjust, your hormones adjust, your nervous system adjust to this new maintenance. Once you maintain that and you keep that, say 12, 16 weeks, at that point, you can strategize your next next cut. And at that point, your cut's going to be a hell of a lot easier because you're starting from a much higher standpoint. The last time you tried to cut, you might have tried to start dieting from 2,000 calories. But after this reverse, you're going to start dieting from 2,700 calories. You have 700 extra calories to use when going into a diet. All right, guys. That is the podcast on reverse dieting. I think I covered everything possible, but what I want you to do is if I said something that got you thinking, if I mentioned anything that didn't quite make sense, if I did not go in-depth enough for you or I did not answer your specific question on reverse dieting, what I want you to do is go on Instagram, shoot me a DM. I answer all of my DMs by myself personally every single day. I go into my DM and I answer people's DMs. Sometimes it takes me longer than 24 hours, and I apologize if you're waiting, but I do answer every single one. So if there's anything you want to hear more about with reverse dieting, if you want me to go more in depth or answer your specific individualized question, please shoot me a DM. My Instagram handle is at Cody.BoomBoom. Shoot me a message, and I will help you out.